I'm on. There we go. Oh, I am excited for today. I fought back tears a few times. Something I just want you to be encouraged about while watching Silas play is, Silas, you're 15, correct? He's 15 years old. Yeah, I know. Someone was saying, is he single? I said, he's 15. (laughs) But to be encouraged, his parents, he has incredible parents. And one of the things they say is to don't steal your children's boredom, correct? Don't steal their boredom. And in that, they have the most talented children you've ever met, all of them. And something I just believe the Lord is doing is he, he created us to be creative, right? And when, when you're watching Silas, it, I mean, first of all, it's really fun just to watch someone who's that talented. But I mean, that is such a gift. And you can watch the passion that he has when he's playing. And that's what we're created to do as Christians. We're to go out, to create with God and the influence that he has now. He, he won the state fair for all of Alaska. I mean, it's incredible, but just think about that, like what the Lord can do with your yes. Silas is passionate about that. He's poured his heart into it, and you just get to see a different aspect of the Lord. Like it's a gift that he placed in in Silas, and we get to experience that. So just think about what can happen if we as Christians use the gifts God has given us. It's an exciting thing to think about. You know, music industry, what that can look like. We could go on and on. Carpentry, what that can look like. I mean, if we do everything with excellence unto the Lord, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's fun talking to the shoemakers, like, like talking to Craig. I love, we got to check out one of his businesses before, and it was just so fun listening to the way it's big warehouse filled with all sorts of little things in there, little, big. I only say that because it was beautiful to see someone who there's so many little details that would be involved in this large business and he knew every little detail and it all had purpose and all there was reason for it. It was just beautiful to see the gifting that God placed in someone and what that gets to look like, what his creative expression in us gets to look like. So it's an exciting thing when we get to be all who Jesus has made us to be and we get to walk in the gifts that he's given us. Are you guys ready? Me too. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love that you've poured out for each and every one of us. And my prayer more than anything else is that each and every one of us would encounter and experience your love today, Jesus that every person in this place would leave knowing how loved they are by you. More than anything else, Jesus, that every single one of us would leave this place knowing how deeply loved we are by you. So Holy Spirit, I welcome you. We welcome you in this place to do what only you can do. Thank you that you bring transformation, you bring life. So Holy Spirit, we say yes to all that you have. Thank you for turning things around. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right. I have about most of the New Testament written down in my notes. So we'll see what all we cover. (laughs) I was talking to my dad. I was like, well, I have a large portion of the New Testament written down. He goes, I don't think you have time to cover that all. I said, I don't think I do either. We'll see what we get done. All right, Romans 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. The gospel is the power of God at work, saving everyone who what? Everyone who what? The Jew first and also the Gentile. We made it, us Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. How God makes us right, not us making us right. Correct? This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God at work. I just started thinking about how many lives I've seen transformed because of the gospel. And it's, there's nothing like it. I mean, I've talked about Fallon a lot because I love her. And because it's just been so fun to watch Jesus be Jesus in her life. I mean, seriously, it's such a miracle. We could look around every single person in this place, but that's the power of the gospel. It's not just a good story. It's the power of God at work now. The good news is God at work now. And I've seen it in my sweet friend. Um, Can I tell them just, I I say this and, okay, thank you. She just gives me a heads up, yes. It's just so fun. Like, let me give you practically. We're sitting there the other day on the couch, and she goes, 200 days? 206. She goes, 206 days of being completely sober. Thank you, Jesus. I come on. That's the gospel. We were just celebrating. Like, it was so fun. We were just thinking, wow, that many days ago, I was just sitting. We were, at, we were by Flying M, sitting there, having coffee, talking about what Jesus has done, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And she has just had this open heart, which is the best part. We're sitting there having this conversation, and she didn't do the, like, I'm sitting with the pastor. I need to have, like, a good front, you know? She just gave it straight to me, and I was like, this is going to be amazing. Like, this girl has positioned herself for transformation. Like, I got so excited when we were talking, and since that moment, I just, I could weep all the time thinking about everything that the Lord has done in Fallon's life, and that's the power of the gospel. Jesus loves us so much. He loves us, and he doesn't want us to stay where we're at. He gave it all so that we could have life and life more abundant. That's what I'm going to talk about more and more. But it's just fun when you see it at work. Like I said, it's not just a story. It's not just, oh, let me tell you the story of the gospel. No, it's real. It's God transforming lives, his presence transforming lives, turning us into new creations. It's the best. Thank you, Lord. And then it's all by faith. All right, let's go to John. John 1, 
start at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life. What did he give? Life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. We should think about that. Jesus came into the very world that he created. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed, to who, who did what? But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human, flesh, like us, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, mercy. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Can you imagine being John the Baptist? Like your whole life message was he was the one who literally was, his message was to prepare the way of the Lord, which we're called to do now as well. So he, he'd prophesy about Jesus coming, and one day, all of a sudden, the one that he had longed for, prophesied about, was there. This is the one. John testified about him when he shouted, this is the one, far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance, we have all received grace upon grace. New Living says, One gracious blessing after another, but it is grace upon grace. From his abundance, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, but the unique one, Jesus, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Jesus has revealed God to us. Do you need the lights on? Does it feel dark? Anyone? Feel a little dark out there? Okay. There. There. I don't want people being sleepy. I know that if it's a little warm and the lights are down, I just, Papa, I just took your anointing on right there. I just had a flashback of my childhood, and my Papa would go, let's turn on the lights. Papa, I took the anointing. I took the mantle. (laughs) So Jesus reveals God to us. He's full of unfailing love, full of mercy. He has grace upon grace for us. 
So I'm going to give you a lot of verses that you've heard a lot, but this is the timeless message of the good news. And every time I read it, I'm blessed. I will say it never gets old. It's what it's all about. So John 3.16. Have you heard that one? You have? Come on. New living is not how most of us have it memorized, so it's going to throw you off here. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who what? In him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus revealed God's heart, right? And God sent his son into the world not to not to judge the world, but to save the world. There is no judgment against anyone who what? Believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. So here's the big thing to know. Because how many times have we felt like, oh. Here's the, here's the thing I've heard. Who said this or heard this before? If I walk into there, like the roof is going to fall in on me. You know, who's heard that? Like, oh, if I go into that place, I mean, the roof is going to fall. And it, it just shows that people think that Jesus is trying to condemn you all the time, which is so far from the truth. It says right here, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. God loved you so much that he wanted to save you, to rescue you. You're loved by Jesus. You are deeply, deeply loved by Jesus. All right, Ephesians. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Thank you, Barbie. She was my children's pastor growing up. Appreciate those things. Thank you for songs like that. And thank you, Mom and Dad, for paying for Christian education. All right. Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So even before God made the world, he chose you and he loved you. Before God made the world, he chose you, and he loved you, and he chose you to be holy and blameless before him through Jesus Christ. That means that God, from the beginning, it wasn't just when you, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, and I need to rescue them. From the beginning, his plan was for you to be holy and blameless without fault in his eyes through Jesus, because he loved you. So God's plan was for us to walk in this beautiful relationship with him. Just like the garden, right? So the garden, they walked in fellowship there. 
God has always desired to be one with you. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, not what he had to do. That, that word wanted is huge. Because how many times do you felt like, oh, he had to do it? Like, I messed up, so he, he had to do it. Have you felt that before? This is what God wanted to do. He wanted to save you. And he wants to continually save you. I mean, how many times have, I, I've said this so many times in my life, where I'm like, Lord, you spared me. Thank you so much. He desires to save us, to rescue us. He's a good father. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave all our sins. He's so rich in kindness that he gave it all. For me, for you, I'm going to play a clip later, but I just had one of those moments. Like, I've loved Jesus. I, I don't remember ever not loving Jesus. Like, I, I'm blessed in one of those. I was raised like that where I was raised in a house where everyone loved Jesus, and I was taught as a little girl. And so I just don't, never, I don't ever remember not loving Jesus. And, but I had this moment, it would have been yesterday, where I was in the car and I watched this clip and I just got so touched by the love of God, the reality of how much he loved me and loves me, that he chose us. He chose to give it all for us because he loves us so much and what sacrifice he actually gave for us. And we'll go into that. So Ephesians 2. Like I said, we got a lot of Bible. We'll try to cover it all. We'll see. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Even though we were dead because of our sins, because the wages of sin is death, correct? The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So sin had to have a payment. Sin absolutely required a payment. In the Old Testament, they would have to actually sacrifice animals on their own. So you'd sin, you'd have to sacrifice an animal. You could never feel worthy because it was always works. Never good enough, never good enough. Always having to sacrifice something. 
And Jesus, like God's plan from the beginning, was to then send the perfect sacrifice for us. I mean, can you imagine that? Every time you mess up, you then have to get an animal to sacrifice for yourself. Can you imagine the weight of that continually? And then, that, but that was God's plan. That's how much he loved you. He knew that sin had to have a requirement. There had to be a sacrifice for it. And only one perfect sacrifice could cover it all, which is Jesus' blood. Romans 5. Romans 5, let's go to verse 6. Oh, I was in chapter 4. I was like, that is not the verse I wanted. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, when you didn't have it together, he came and he died. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, he will certainly, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. It's so good. But did you catch this? It says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. So that shows you that God's intention from the beginning, once again, was friendship with you. He wanted friendship restored. In the garden, they walked as friends in the cool of the night, right? And he wanted that restored, but there was only one person who could restore that. And that was Jesus, his son, God's son, perfect son. Knew no sin, became sin for us. We'll go to that. His perfect blood, what he did, restored our friendship back to God. And he did it while we were still sinners. So the gospel is real. It's very real. And and I love when I hear Kiki over here, he's like, come on, because it's real to you. It's not just a story. You've seen it, and you're fighting for it. You're not ashamed of the gospel. You fight for your friends. You've been in the hard places. You went through a really hard thing this last week. But you have chosen the truth of the gospel. Where you say, I've seen what Jesus has done for me and he'll do it again. It's real. Because while you were still a sinner, he came in and he changed everything, didn't he? And it was his grace. And he's going to do it again, Kiki. And you're going to keep seeing it in your friends. You absolutely will. That is a promise from God. And you're continuing to go... But we're going to see your friends transformed. He's Paul over there. Or Peter. He's a little more wild, I think. Kind of like Peter. Cutting ear off of someone or something. I don't know. (laughs) 
I mean it, Kiki. You've blessed me dearly. You've blessed me dearly. Your love for Jesus is so real, and it's blessed my life tremendously. You and Al, you guys have blessed me so much. Thank you for loving Jesus the way you do. But it's real. Like, we have so many people where I could say it over and over again, Jesus changes everything, and he loves you. He's not mad at you. He loves you so much. So much that he was willing to go to the cross, be beaten until he was unrecognizable. So that he could restore your friendship to God. And I don't need to talk much about sin, because we're all pretty aware of it. I mean, we'll talk about it as well at other times. But let's be real with ourselves. When you do something that's wrong, you don't feel good, do you? No, we don't. We can justify it, and we'll do all of our mechanisms to try to be like, no, I feel fine about this. You know, we're like, oh, no, it's okay. And we're only doing that to try to justify our feeling because we know that we, we don't feel good about it. Because we weren't created for sin. We were created for relationship with God, for friendship with God. So when you do that, you feel this yuckiness. You never feel complete. Like we're all searching for love. And that love is found through Jesus Christ. We're all searching for love. And we can search in so many different ways. In Foul, we've had lots of fun conversations about this. Where we, we try to fill it with this. Then we try to fill it with this. And, and you can fill it with good things too. But it's all because we were created to walk in relationship with Jesus. You were created to be deeply loved by God. Not to feel like, oh, I have to be kind of in shame. I have to try to hide. I mean, Colton, we had, this was so fun. It blessed me the other day. He said this too. He goes, it's so awesome. I don't have to lie anymore. It just blessed me so deeply. He was being real about what God was doing in his life. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I used to do that a lot. And, well, I drink LaCroix now because I'm not drinking beer all the time anymore. Like, it was just so great. I love the realness of it because that's, that's how Jesus is. And, and he said, I, I don't have to lie anymore. Because how many of us have felt that shame and condemnation where we weren't perfect, so we had to try to put up all kinds of facades. We had to try to lie about things or, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. But really, we just feel like we're stuck in this rut. But then Jesus came in with his grace and you experience his love and you realize that I can't, I'm not the one who saves myself. Jesus actually loved me so much that he paid for me to be free from everything. While I was utterly helpless, he saved me. That's the goodness of the gospel. It's real. He's real. He's so real. And he wants to bring transformation to your life today. Because God restored, I mean, Jesus restored your friendship back to God. Feels good to be a friend of God, doesn't it? It feels good when you realize that I don't have a father who's angry at me. I have a father who's loving and wants to save me and rescue me. Because when you live in this place thinking that God is always angry at you, you go, I messed up. I don't want my dad to know. Versus knowing that Jesus loves you, that God loves you and he sent his son. You go, I messed up. Dad, help. Dad, help. That is what Jesus did. He made it so we could go, Dad, help. 
Help me. I'm hurting. I'm having a hard time. Help me. I'm grieving. Life is real. There's so many things that we go through. Kiki and I just lost a precious friend. Grief is real. Holy Spirit is the perfect comforter. God, help. I hurt. I don't understand. I longed for my friend to walk in freedom. They didn't yet. Help me. And Jesus actually makes intercession for us. That's how good of a Savior he is. Jesus is actually praying for you right now. And he sent you the Holy Spirit to empower you right now. doesn't mean that what you're going through is easy, but it means that you're an overcomer because of what Jesus has done, and he will lead you every single step of the way. That's the power of the gospel. He put an unshakable hope in you. And how did he do this? All right, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who knew no sin. Can I do that in New King James, Linda? That's one I really like, New King James. Thank you. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. For he made him, Jesus, who knew absolutely no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So think about what Jesus actually went through on the cross. He knew absolutely no sin, no sin whatsoever. And he became sin. That means he took on the sins of the world, past, present, future. So think about the weight that you've experienced with your own sin. It's heavy, right? Have you felt a lot of guilt, shame, condemnation, whatever, from sin that you've carried? It's heavy. Imagine that's just for yourself. He took on the sins of the world. It's easy to say Hitler because that's for in our heads, that's like, oh, that's, that's evil. He took on every single thing he did. He took on every single thing that's going on right now, every innocent baby that's blood's been shed, every child that's been molested, every, we could go on. I'm talking the sins of the world. Let's be real about things. There's hurt, there's brokenness, every murder. Jesus became sin for us. So that we could become the righteousness of God through his perfect sacrifice. He became sin so that then he would destroy the power of sin forever. I think of the weightiness of that. Every sin ever on him. He was fully God, fully man. And he took it all upon himself because he loved us. He wanted to be with us and he wanted to restore our relationship back to God. First Peter 2, 
verse 24. Oh, I'm in 2 Peter. I'm confusing myself left and right here. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. It says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. You were once like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. He, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin. Say dead to sin. Dead to sin. Why did he carry his sin? Why did he carry every sin of the world in his body? So that we could be dead to it. Completely dead to it. No longer seeing the curse on the world anymore. No longer seeing curse on his creation. Jesus paid for it on the cross with his perfect body so that we could be free. So that we could walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we could then have a restored relationship with God again. So that we'd be free from guilt, shame, condemnation. So that you could walk in life and life more abundant. So that you could be healed. So that you could have peace. So that you could have joy. So that you would no longer have depression, anxiety. Jesus took it all because he cared for you. He took it all because he loves you. It's real. He's real. He's more real than anything else. He cares. He became sin for you so you could be completely free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Linda, do you mind playing this video? I'll give you one second. I I was watching this video and... If you have kids, it's going to be graphic. I'll give you that warning. Um, but it's real. I don't want us to just come in on Easter Sunday and be like, yay, Resurrection Sunday. You know, because it's easy to do that, right? We're just like, woo, let's think about resurrection. Every day should be Resurrection Day, but you have to realize there was the ultimate cost so that we step into resurrection today. And when you realize the ultimate cost, you get really free. When you realize the ultimate cost, you all of a sudden see your friends and you go, you need this. I want you to experience all that Jesus has for you. When you realize what Jesus paid for you, you no longer want to put up with the guilt. You no longer want to put up with all the yuck that you've had. You go, nope, Jesus, you love me way too much. I want your freedom. And so I want us to see this and let it be real that Jesus did this because he loves you. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the love of Jesus. What he really was willing to go through for us because he loves us. Because he loves you, he would take on the sins of the world be beat till he was unrecognizable because you were worth it. Because we were worth it in his eyes. As I watched that, I just began weeping because I began to realize once again the deep love of Jesus. He knew what would have to happen. 
He knew what would have to take place. But he said we were worth it. He said you're so worth it. (laughs) And that's grace. It's the scandal of grace. It doesn't make sense. It's good news because it's way too good to be true, but it is. That's the power of the gospel. That's the unshakable power of the cross. From generation to generation to generation, one thing remains the same, and that's that Jesus' blood is more than enough. It's the one thing that people have tried to destroy. Think about it. I mean, think about how many. They try to take Jesus out of countries. They try to burn Bibles. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. What he paid for on the cross changed everything. And you picture that. You picture him. You see him being beat till he's unrecognizable. And just picture him before you. That he had each and every one of us in mind when he did that. He had each and every one of us in mind when he went to the cross. You could picture yourself in your worst state, strung out, whatever it is, and he goes, you are so worth it. When we were utterly helpless, he says, I choose you. And I will give it all for you. John 10. John 10, verse 9. Oh, I need a tissue. I got crying. Oh, bless you, Jerry. I love you so much. Oh, so sorry. I love that we could be real. And I did it twice, even though I knew it was going to happen again. John 10, verse 9. says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them life and life more abundantly. Oh, thank you, had in the version I wanted. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Sickness, not from Jesus. He went to destroy it. Shame, guilt, condemnation, not from Jesus. He came to destroy it. And it cost. We saw the sacrifice that it actually cost. But he said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the abundance. He paid for resurrection life. He paid for resurrection life. So when you see a video like that, it's easy. Sometimes we can 
kind of just be like, oh, Lord, like, there's the beauty of, of soaking in the magnitude of what Jesus had to pay for. But us realizing that then pulls us into resurrection life. And then when you see that, something should begin to burn up in you saying, I want you to receive everything you paid for, Jesus. In my life, I want to walk out that resurrection life that you paid for. I want to walk in the power of the resurrection. That's why when you began to read from the disciples, they were like, I, I want to know his resurrection. Like, I, I want to be a part of that. If that means that I'm persecuted, they wanted it. But why? They, they saw what Jesus paid for. It was real. And when what Jesus paid for becomes so real to you, something begins to stir up in you saying, I will not settle for a mediocre life. I will walk in resurrection life. I will, because Jesus paid for it. His blood was way too costly to settle for anything less than resurrection life. His blood was way too costly. He then give, he, he paid it all. He's resurrected. Then he sends the precious Holy Spirit to come and live in us, to lead us into all truth. And he says, now the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead lives in us. He paid everything to put that into you. The tomb is empty, so you don't have to be. Isn't that so good? One of my friends said that, and I was like, <gasps> the tomb is empty, so we don't have to be. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. That tomb is empty. He paid the ultimate price, so we would not have to be empty. We could walk in the resurrection that he paid for. So what does that look like? Resurrection life. So we see he's resurrected. He came to give us life and life more abundant. What does resurrection life look like? John 11. Story of Lazarus. This is a great way. Verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. His disciples objected, Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you, and you want to go there again. But Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Our friend has fallen asleep. I'm going to go wake him up. That's resurrection life. And that's what Jesus paid for. He paid for us to see with a different lens. Things that look dead are not dead. They're sleeping. That's what Jesus paid for. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. The, the sweet disciples. I could, they were just on the go training all the time. I would have thought the same thing. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was really sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. 
So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. Come, let's go see this. So they go there. Verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this, Christy? Yes, I do. Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she turned to Mary. She called Mary aside, and the mourners, okay, let's go down. Do, 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 do. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw that the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. That just shows the compassion that Jesus has. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? Some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. What do we take from this? Jesus paid for resurrection life. He is the resurrection and the life. So he resurrects things that look like they're dead. He says they're only sleeping. And he's taught us. He's calling us. He's inviting us to walk in that same resurrection power because of what he did on the cross. He's calling us to step into that. So he's not only the resurrection, but he's the life. He told us, I have come that you may have life and have it to the abundance. So he resurrects us, and then he gives us life every single day. Not just, oh, I'm alive. No, he wants abundant life for you. He wants abundant life. He wants you to see things and be like, that's sleeping. Come out. Wake up. That's what Jesus paid for. We're going to see it. I mean, Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. I haven't seen the dead raised yet, but I've gone after it because he promised it. I'm going to see it. Was my brother raised from the dead? No. Did we fully believe he would be? Absolutely. A teenage girl who committed suicide, did we fully believe she'd be raised from the dead? 100%. Did it happen? No. Is it going to? Yes. Because Jesus paid for way too much on the cross for us to just be okay. For us to just settle. 
You know, maybe it's God's will. For a teenage girl to commit suicide, I don't think so. He paid for life and life more abundant. You saw the sacrifice that he went through. That's the resurrection life that he wants. He paid for it, and he is calling us into it. He is calling us to be his hands and feet. He paid the ultimate price to put heaven inside of us today. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Mark 5. We're covering a lot of Bible in a short amount of time. I'm really excited about this. Mark 5, verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. When the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, My little girl is dying. He said, Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Because he's the resurrection and the life. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she hadn't gotten better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched you? I love the disciples. They encourage me in my faith so much. Like the questions they ask, I'm like, you were literally with Jesus. I'm so encouraged in my faith. Thank you, God. But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. That is resurrection life. That is life and life more abundant. She gave everything she could to be healed. She gave all her money. Constant bleeding. Doctors couldn't do anything but Jesus. But Jesus. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Can you imagine that? You get news that your little girl just died. And Jesus goes, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd. I wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. 
When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only sleeping. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. I love Jesus. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave him strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them, give her something to eat. That is resurrection life. It's real. It's so real, and I cry because we've been in situations like that. You know, when you hear a story like that, think of different times we got called, like when that little girl committed suicide. We're talking 15? Is she 15 at the time? 15-year-old girl jumped off a cliff. Mom calls, come pray until we get in there, and you just see this sweet little 15-year-old girl's body on ice. And you see a mother who's travailing for her daughter to be raised because Jesus has paid for resurrection life. And when we get a hold of this, it can change everything because Jesus has paid for everything. That's the resurrection life he's paid for. And for us to settle is a disgrace to the cross. For us to settle is a disgrace to what Jesus paid for. Really what we're saying is your blood was enough to just save me. Because a lot of time this is what we've believed. We've, we've been duped into believing this. We're taught like Jesus died just to save me from my sins. Well, he died to destroy the power of sin, which sin brought death, to destroy the power of sin and death. So he actually died to destroy the works of the devil, sin, sickness, Every, you know, depression, we could go on and on, suicide. Jesus died to destroy that and to set us free and to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just for you to one day go to heaven. No, he paid the ultimate price so that you could walk in his resurrection life. So we're going to keep praying for those friends. We're going to see them get raised. We're going to see it. I'm excited. I remember being in South Africa and we were like, can we just go to the morgue? Will you let us in? Because Jesus has paid for it. And faith can make you look silly. And faith can make it to where you have a crowd of people laughing and mocking you. Jesus said, get him out. <laughs> and then a little girl was raised from the dead. That's resurrection life. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. It's not just for us to be like, oh, Yay. No, we have salvation. Our eternal, like our eternity is secure in him. And now he is paid for us. See, here, let me get another verse. Here we go. Where is it? Like I said, I have so many verses. Let's go to Colossians because it's that good. Colossians 2, verse 6. 
And now, just as you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Thank you, Lord. Oh, this is not necessarily. Yes, it is. Thank you, God. No, this is not the verse I wanted. It's good. I'll finish it for you just so you can be blessed. Verse 9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is head over every ruler and authority. You are complete with your union with Christ. He's the head over every ruler and authority. It's Peter. No. Verse 15, maybe? Ah, here it is. Thanks for tracking with me for a moment. Verse 14. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Verse 13. We'll start there. You were dead No, verse 11. Let's just go to Genesis. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. All the guys kind of clenched for a moment. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Gone. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Thank you, Jesus, for baptisms. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. How many of them? All. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the the spiritual rulers and authorities and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. I love that. He shamed them publicly. See, this is what happened on the cross. You know, we think, you know, Satan is all of a sudden, he's like, Jesus is dead. Ooh, thinks he wins. What Jesus was really doing He was then resurrecting into newness of life and he actually paid the ultimate price so that then on there would be a new creation, us, who actually walk in the fullness that Jesus has. So now when Satan sees you, he sees Jesus because Jesus cut away your old sinful nature, right? Did Jesus say that you're dead to sin now? Are you alive to God through Jesus? Yeah, so when the enemy sees you, he sees Jesus because of what Jesus paid for. He shamed every spiritual authority with what he did on the cross. That's good news. And he has now invited us in to walk in that resurrection life. He has invited us to walk in the resurrection life that he paid for. Let's stand up for a second. Not for a second. Let's just stand up. Thank you, Jesus. 
So sometimes we end up carrying grave clothes around. Lazarus had to take the cloths off of him after he raised from the dead, didn't he? Sometimes you got to take those grave clothes off. And that might be that you've carried shame about something that Jesus already paid for and he covered. That's something you got to take off. Sometimes you might have a wrong belief that says like, what I've done is just, it's too much. He can't forgive me. Like he did that for him, but I've just done too much. No, that's, that's shame and pride and a lie straight from the pit of hell. And that's grave clothes. You just got to take that off. We're just going to take that off, all those different things. You know, I'm just always going to have to be like this. I'm just always going to have to deal with the sickness. No, no, you're not. That's grave clothes. Take that off. I'm still contending for full healing over my body, but I know what Jesus paid for. So I'm not going to settle with pain. Dina, we're not settling for any of that pain. That's grave clothes. We're taking that off because he has paid for resurrection life. And so whatever thing's been holding you back, I want you to realize that he nailed that to the cross already. He nailed that to the cross and he made a spectacle. He publicly shamed his enemy with his resurrection power of the cross. And so did everyone get a paper? Did that end up happening? Did everyone get a paper, a little slip of paper? If you don't have a paper, can you raise your hand? We've got some handy dandy papers we can hand out to you at some point. Yeah, just raise your hand if you still need a paper. Thank you. got a verse for you as well. Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. He's the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of the joy, which was you, he endured the cross. So let's strip off those grave clothes today. Because like I said, in 2 Corinthians, it actually says that you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross being crucified, there were the two men being crucified next to him. The one next to him believed in Jesus and Jesus says, we'll be in paradise together. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he loves you? Do you believe he paid the ultimate price for you? That he wants you to walk not only in resurrection, but also in his life. He wants that for you. He doesn't want you to settle anymore. The cross is way too costly for us to live a mediocre life. 
He gave it all, and we have the invitation to step into that life today. And so what we're going to do, those papers that you have, I want you to write down. I don't know if everyone's going to have a pen. So this might work great. This might not. We'll see. At some point today, if you have a pen, do it now. That's great. I want you to write down those things that you have found that are actually holding you back. What are the grave clothes that you have had that have held you back? What is it, if it's a lie that you've believed, if it's shame you've carried, if it's sickness, if there are things going on in your family and you're like, no, I want your resurrection life. I want to walk in everything that you paid for on the beautiful cross. Then I want us to write this down and we're actually gonna nail those on the cross because Jesus already did. But sometimes it takes us doing an act of obedience to really receive what he's paid for. Have you found that? That sometimes we, I mean, he calls us to step out in faith is what it is. So us doing this is us saying, I believe what you paid for Jesus. I'm coming in agreement with that on the cross. So we're gonna take time to do that. So just write down something. We're gonna nail it up here and we're gonna celebrate what he's paid for on the cross. And then also one other thing is I'm gonna get our ministry team as well. Can I have our ministry team to just come on this side this time? We're gonna spread it, but yeah, you can come now ministry team. That'd be amazing. They're gonna come on this side, just spread out there. Thank you so much. So if there's something, if there's grave clothes, like I said, that you need to nail on the cross to step into the resurrection life, let's do that today. If you've heard this message, and you have, if you're someone who is, you've heard the gospel before, but you didn't know how much Jesus loves you, there has never been a better day than to step into his love than today. He will wash you white as snow because he already paid for on the cross. He says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you want a relationship with Jesus, today is the day. And so let's close our eyes for a moment. I want us to pray this together. If you're someone who felt like you were too far gone, I just feel like Jesus is wanting you to know it's already paid for. He already sees you holy and righteous because of what he did. And he's just calling you to step into that today. So let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for what you paid for on the cross. I thank you for your perfect blood. It is more than enough. And I repent from all my sin. And I turn to you today, Jesus. I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want to walk in the resurrection life that you paid for, Jesus. I don't want to hold myself back anymore. I don't want a life of mediocrity. I want to walk in the fullness of what you've done and your life. So we just thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. I thank you for every person that's here, God. And I pray once again, more than anything else, that we would leave this place knowing that we are deeply loved by you that we are deeply loved by you, that you're not shaming us, 
you're calling us into a relationship and life with you, Jesus. I thank you for that. He's not shaming anyone here. He's just inviting you to walk into life with him. And so, like I said, if you've got those grave clothes that you're like, I'm done with this. I don't wanna settle. I want to walk in the life that Jesus paid for. We're gonna nail that up on the cross and we're gonna celebrate. Here's one of the biggest things that I found with Jesus. When you do things like that, oftentimes we think like, oh, there's so much like shame to go and put this up here. There's almost thoughts sometimes you're like, if I'm putting this up here, what are people gonna think? Like, what are they thinking that I'm nailing up here? That's bogus. Jesus already paid for way too much. And so this gets to be celebration. Like when we put things up there, we go, oh, that thing is dead now. It is dead. I am a new creation in Christ. So this gets to be a celebration. And you are then being filled to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit from now on. All right. So were you able to write them down? Were some people able to? Oh, come on. All right. This is what we're going to do. Yes. The nails are up there. Pastor, are they going to need your assistance? Oh, they hang it up. Look at he's amazing. All right. So this is going to be your victory march. This is you making a shame of the enemy right now going, Jesus paid for it all. Jesus covered this. Jesus paid for it all. So you can go ahead. Why don't you just go right, put that down on the cross. And I want you to walk in the power that this is what Jesus paid for. No more grave clothes. Thank you for your victory, God. Thank you for every single thing. Thank you that your blood has covered it over this congregation, each and every one of us, Jesus. Ooh. Yes, thank you for victory, King Jesus. We are free in Him. Yeah, that's covered by the blood. That's covered. That's done. That's covered. That healing's paid for. That freedom's paid for. That joy is paid for. body of Christ. Here we're not we're not there's the 
we're not closing yet. Can we close those doors? We're not done yet. Thank you. We'll do a soft close here and I'll send you out. We're going to celebrate that way. This is what I will say. We're going to finish this and then we're going to send off, like we said, it is Resurrection Sunday. So the best way to celebrate is a party. So in the gym, we're going to head off and we're going to have food. We've got bounce houses for the kiddos. We've got all the good things there. We love that. we got cotton candy and bounce houses. So like I said, we are walking in the victory of what Jesus has paid for. And so as you do this, one thing I know we're walking out right here so it's easy to just feel like we're done. This is what I'm going to say. We have the ministry team here. If you need prayer, I want you to come and get prayer from them. If the Lord stirred things on your heart, they want to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, we want to pray for you. We want to see you get healed because of what Jesus paid for, what He paid for on the cross. We have a word of knowledge for a left hand. So there's someone whose left hand was injured. I ask you to come and get prayed for by one of the ministry team here. So I'm going to send you off here as we're finishing. Here, we'll pray together and then I'll send you off. Ready. Jesus, I thank you for every single person. I thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your victory on the cross. And Lord, I pray that you would bless your people, that they would walk in the power of your resurrection today. Lord, I thank you for giving us eyes to see, that we would have eyes to see all that you've paid for, that things that look dead, we'll see them as only sleeping now. In Jesus' name. And I thank you for mighty miracles, signs, and wonders to go out. I thank you for joy and hope and peace into hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen.